Welcome back to Pitches Be Crazy, a weekly MLB talk with me, Lily Schumacher. Uh, I've been wanting to open up this show by going like, welcome back, Pitches, but I might. We'll see. It feels a little gimmicky, but it's also kind of funny to me. Um, so it, it's stuff that I enjoy. It's it's something that I think is fun to kind of poke, poke some fun at, um, something enjoyable, but yeah, so... We're going to kind of just get rolling. Uh, I'm going to continue to follow this format of, you know, going through some of the standings, just talking about who's leading, uh, any other interesting things that you can see in the standings themselves, followed by uh, some hot news throughout the week. And mom, I am not wearing the t-shirt right now because it is ridiculously hot in Chicago. Uh, I'm wearing baggy clothes so I can breathe. Because I think otherwise, uh, I would die. Uh, it is it is so hot. I think it was ninety again today, and absolutely brutal. Um, I'll, I'll just be I'll be the first to say it. Brutal, uh, absolutely insufferable. So no, but I will sometime. I mean that, that that that's where it would be fun if I had a video feed and you could see it, and I'd be like, hey, um, <laughs> but. I I think it's a it gives me some ideas if I ever want to do my own merch if this thing ever blows up depending on how I actually release it get things going. Um, it's warmer in Chicago than Orlando according to my brother. Well, god damn it, of course. Um, sorry, I don't know why this is not pulling up. I have like ESPN for some reason does not want to pull up the standings for me, so it's time to go to the MLB app, but. Yeah, um, very hot in Chicago. It is and humid, and I, I can't handle it. I genuinely hate uh, hot weather, and I, I just don't like this. But so let's kind of go through and check out what has, you know, changed in the past week. So we're going to start with the American League, and currently leading the East um, ahead by four games are the New York Yankees. Uh, Toronto still is not kind of falling into place in the way that we'd expect them to. Uh, Tampa Bay is close behind, uh, four games back. So not great, but you know, they're still in the running. Uh, Yankees have 22 wins and only eight losses. So they have still been cruising. And something of note there is that the Orioles have a better record than the Boston Red Sox who have just been, you know, Quite, quite, quite. To be quite frank, they have been struggling. Uh, I, every week, I try to say something positive and say, you know, all is not lost. There's something there. There's something to be excited about. But week after week, it seems like that's just becoming less and less true. Um, in the AL Central, we have the Minnesota Twins um, leading the division. Uh, a game and a half back are the Chicago White Sox. And Cleveland is actually close behind uh, two games back. Otherwise, Detroit at the tail end, nothing too surprising there. Um, I'm impressed with Cleveland and what they've been putting together, but still, you've just really got to hand it to the Twins. Uh, We'll see if the White Sox can kind of settle in a bit more and, you know, kind of change and adjust how that's looking, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. In the AL West, the Houston Astros d- just took over first place in the West, uh, kind of finally taking that crown away from 
the Los Angeles Angels, who are half a game back. So not out of contention by any means at this point, but just should be it should be of note that the Astros are piecing something together. So I have a feeling it's going to be a very exciting and tight division, especially considering that Seattle is only they're seven games back, which you know isn't super close right now. But Oakland and uh, Texas, so the Athletics and the Rangers are seven and a half games back. So there's kind of going to be a fight for the bottom or a fight for third, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, moving in to the National League, we'll start with the NL East. Uh, the Mets uh, still cruising, uh, <laughs> much to my horror and to many's delights. Um I do have a Mets-centric story to talk about, even though I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> but it feels necessary because they have just been rolling. Um, the Atlanta Braves are behind them six and a half games. Miami and Philly are seven games back, so close there. But the Mets have just been dominating the East so far. In the NL West, the Dodgers are leading, but they're only... Uh, a game and a half in front of San Diego. San Francisco are two games back behind the Dodgers. So, again, that could be, you know, pretty close. Uh, and, we'll, you know, we'll have to see what kind of goes on there. Um, and it's it's already been a very interesting division. Everybody is indeed still over 500, which is ridiculous. And, again, quite frankly, not going to last. But you got to enjoy it while it's happening because, come on. When is that ever going to happen? Um, finally, looking at the NL Central, the Brewers are still leading. Uh, they have a record of 20-12. and 12. Um, They did, though, just lose two games to the Cincinnati Reds, which isn't too exciting. But St. Louis is still a comfortable two and a half games behind them. And Cincinnati is still, you know, they're, they're there. They're existing. Um, their record is getting a little bit better considering they're now at seven wins and 24 losses compared to what was it? Was it three and 17 or three and 19 even at one point? So brutal, Uh, just absolutely brutal, but you know, things are looking a little bit better for them. I think there's a chance that it might not be as detrimental of a season as was initially thought, but still not going to be good. Uh, I know there was some talk on Brett is currently casting the Pirates-Reds game, and there was some talk that apparently the odds for the Reds winning the NL Central are so insane right now that if you put money on it and they somehow would win, you would just absolutely make bank. But again, I don't want to say it's impossible right now because we're still early enough, but at the same time, it's not possible. (laughs) Let's just admit it. Like, I, I don't even want to be that type of a doubter, but come on. You got to be realistic there. Bet a dollar. I'll see. I'll see. Oh, so this is then where I will kind of switch over to some of my topics. Uh, so I'm going to kind of move through and talk about what interests me in, you know, baseball this week. What caught my eye? Some of the biggest topics, biggest news. And I'm going to do one thing. Because I finished my last class of college today, um, I'm going to have a beer during this episode. And also, uh, I got caster of the day from Not Color Cast, which was a very exciting little moment to all of a sudden go on and see that. So 
thank you to them or <laughs> whoever they are, wherever they are. Um, that was exciting, but yeah, uh, not close to, I'm not a college graduate yet, but give it a, give it a couple of weeks, uh, give it a week, I think a little bit over a week and I'll be there, but celebrating with, uh, the champagne of beers seems fitting Miller high life. So cheers, uh, clink. There we go. Um, so one of the biggest topics of the week is something, you know, historic and a game that actually resulted in a lot of fun and a lot more beyond that. So, uh, Reed Detmer of the Detmers of the LA Angels, he, as a rookie, threw this, like, threw a no hitter, which is amazing. Uh, I think. It's just, it's always amazing to see somebody throw a no-hitter. Like we had talked about with the Mets, it is impressive that they were able to throw a cumulative no-hitter with having different guys come in and each perform. And, you know, that that's, imp- that's impressive to have each leg work that way. But whenever you're able to do get this done by yourself, just mad props to you. It is just such a feat and... In his 11th big league start. That is insanity. The best part about it for me is looking at the lines. So he threw 108 pitches. But get this. Walked one. Struck out two. He only had two strikeouts recorded during this game. Which is mind-boggling. And of course it's like, I mean, obviously just how that kind of worked. But you don't usually expect that. You don't usually expect to see that somebody recorded a no-hitter and only had two strikeouts, but that's the way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. Uh, the crazy thing about it, too, is he is my age. Uh, Detmers is 22, um, and he was the 10th pick in the 2020 draft uh, and, you know, became part of the LA Angels. So amazing for him. Just kudos, congrats kind of just mind mind boggling again so that game though the angels beat the tampa bay rays 12 to nothing and there are some fun things that ended up happening in that game and i know i see c mcbride in the chat saying uh do we have to talk about this and uh yeah of course we do because oh my god if it, this already wasn't a fantastic game in terms of being historic, it got even better uh, because of one of my favorite players. So, you know, one of my favorite things is now we no longer have pitchers who rake because of there being a universal DH, but we still can have position players pitching, which I truly love. And this this is where this story happens. So... In the eighth inning of this game, um, Brett Phillips uh, went to the mound and was the pitcher. So at this point in the game, in this matchup, it was already a, an 8 nothing lead or an 8 nothing game that the Angels were very much in control of. Uh, Anthony Rendon decides to go to the plate uh, as a lefty. And, you know, Brett Phillips pitches. And holy shit, could you, can you believe it? 
Anthony Rendon in his first ever at bat as a lefty sends one out of there. And if you watch it, he really didn't get like good wood on the barrel. He didn't really barrel it that much or anything. He kind of just looks like he golfed it out into the outfield. So it was crazy. Um, after that, he also gave up a two-run homer to Mike Trout. And then one of the best moments of the night had to be he was facing Shohei Otani. And Brett Phillips, being the charismatic, funny guy he is, uh, posted on Instagram that this is the like the t- uh, the two-way player matchup we've been waiting for. And of course, saying, you know, I think I'm the better two-way player but you know whatever whatever better than Shohei but who's to really say there so it's just something beautiful about that I love Brett Phillips he always makes me laugh and he's just such a great guy but he is just too good again he said he knows I'm the best two-way player in the game and cut four also tweeted the two-way player showdown we were waiting for so come on This is where you just have to love what's going on and what's happening. And the way that Brett carried himself on on the mound was just amazing. And I really love it. Again, I love the guy. Didn't think I could love him anymore. And then all of a sudden he shows me that, you know what? I can love him more. What a dude. What, what, What a guy. And... Moving on, let's go over to the um, NL East. And like I said earlier, I don't want to talk about the Mets, but I kind of have to. And it's because of their the rally that they had um, over the Nationals in terms of all of a sudden coming out of nowhere and winning this one and kind of taking control of it. So let me just double check exactly how that went. I do have an article that's as much about the game but rather something else because there was another exciting moment there but um essentially they 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 all of a sudden were you know down by a lot didn't want to lose a game to the Nats and they were able to rally back and it was really exciting but who stole the show well in typical uh New York fashion uh a rat so you know come on (sighs) All of a sudden, a rat was on the field, uh, you know, pretty big guy, and there it went viral. Him just kind of running around uh, the base, the like baseball field, especially because it happened around the Mets, uh, the the Mets rally. It was quite literally, you know, potentially a catalyst for this rally. I mean, that's what I would like to think. Um, I think he was a good omen. Something where, you know, you might see a butterfly and say, that's a good sign for me. That's something that's, you know, that shows something good is coming. Or I know people say dragonflies. Other times you might see a dove or a bird and have that feeling. I feel like for the Mets, how could it not be a rat? It just makes too much sense. So glorious, glorious moment. Um, And of course... I don't want to talk about the Mets, but if it involves a rat, oh hell yeah, I gotta, I gotta do it. I, I can't help it. Uh, it, it's just too, it's too much to not. So, you know, congrats to that rat. Love him dearly. Hope he's doing all right. Uh, 
hope he managed to exit the game well and is living a nice little happy rat life. So moving on, uh, and this is where we're going to talk a little bit about NL Central and, you know, the uh, NL West because uh, the the Pirates and the Dodgers had a had a three-game series and holy shit holy crazy hell batman can you believe it the pirates won the series so according to this article uh the pirates have won a series against the dodgers for the first time since 2016 and oh, it's just beautiful this these are the things where you you see it happen and you go God damn it, I love baseball because that's what it's all about. The fact that, you know, the Dodgers are this perennial superpower and this favorite that it's just all about them and the guys they have and what they do and why they're a big deal, why they're the best, why they're always poised for a World Series. And then they face the Pirates who, to just be honest, have kind of been a clusterfuck for the past, you know, you know, good amount of good amount of years, good last couple of seasons to say the least, and they managed to just show why we love this sport because nothing is in their favor to take a series like this, but it happens. It's not just luck; it's just the beauty of the game. Truly, um, I know Daniel Vogelbach, a former Milwaukee Brewer, uh, hit a home run during the series. And, like, come on, I, I just, I, I just can't get over it. It's, I don't really have much to say in regards of, like, commentary or analysis on it. Other than that, these are just those beautiful baseball moments. If they had this matchup again, who knows how it would turn out. Of course, you know, Pirates had somewhat of a advantage playing at home, but hell, this could have happened at Dodger Stadium, too. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that. It could have been the had the exact same result there. Um, I'm pretty sure too. Didn't the Pirates take a series from the Brewers already this season? I feel like I could be wrong, but listen, these teams, even though they seem like there's just nothing to them and like they're not going to be able to accomplish anything, you can't count them out because they might not be contenders or they might not be in it to, you know vie for a World Series or even get to the postseason. But do you know what they can do? They can just be total agents of chaos. They can cause problems. And we see this usually, you know, getting towards the end of the season as teams are really just trying to do whatever they can, last-ditch effort effort to get to the postseason. Teams like the Orioles, the Pirates, uh, the Tigers, uh you know, and probably guess the Reds this year, um, they are all going to be in there. And you know for a fact some of those teams are going to hit a hot streak and ruin the chances and ruin the likelihood of a contender or a near contender making the postseason. You know, maybe it's just going to, you know, change their seating. I mean, it's going to be a disadvantage there, but it's the beauty of the game, man. It always happens. It's always something like this where all of a sudden, you know, let's say we have a historically terrible Reds team. And then, you know, I'm not going to wish, say my team here, but maybe they're playing, you 
know, let's let's just kind of do something similar. They have an end of the season series against the Dodgers. This is hypothetical. And, you know, Dodgers are about to clinch the division. They're going to get that number one seed. But, you know, the Padres are close behind. It's it's not just it's not theirs yet. And then they play the Reds thinking that this is going to be a great way to close out the series or the season prior to getting there. It's going to be almost certain wins. That's when all of a sudden the Reds go, yeah, fuck that. And just some reason everything connects. Everything is just perfect. It is like all the ingredients for a perfect storm. And they knock out the Dodgers and just sweep them. And because of that, the Dodgers get a worse seed. It's it's it, Those are the things that I, you know, I don't like it when it happens to my team. But when it happens to somebody else, you got to admit it, it is entertaining. And it, it, those are the moments that make you go, yeah, you know what? I love it. I love this sport. It's a good time. So, you know, I'm kind of getting a, I will say that this is really kind of refreshing my my appetite and reminding me of how much chaos I love in baseball. Uh, I love chaos no matter what. I like kind of, you know, stirring the pot, seeing what will happen. But, oh man, I just, I just love it. I just love it because, you know, no matter what, of course the Dodgers are probably going to have a better season than the Pirates. And they're going to have a better record, probably going to actually be in the postseason, whatever. But the Pirates can still go, hey, we won that May series against you. And the Dodgers have to suck it up and deal with it. I just can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of it. And this is then where I move into, um, which should be my final topic of the day and probably the one I'll spend the most time on because, well, shocker, of course it will be. So the Brewers played the Reds um, over, you know, uh, over past couple days, had a nice little three-game series. And the Brewers were able to win one there, but Reds took the series. And there was something about them playing at home that just was really connecting. Uh, The Brewers were without Andrew McCutcheon, who has been ill. They do have Luis Urias back, which has been very helpful. But, you know, the Brewers absolutely crushed the Reds in their previous series, sweeping them and just berating them with runs and offense. And it seemed like the Reds were over that bombardment and wanted to give the Brewers a little bit um, of their own medicine, a taste of their own medicine, one may say. And they took the series. And it wasn't fun. Uh, There's something very disheartening about losing a series to, you know, one of the worst worst team in baseball at the moment. Um, The Brewers had also lost their series to the Braves, So it's not a fun little losing streak for them. And of course, I'd rather have this happen earlier on and deal with a moment like this where, you know, you still can go up. It sucks. It's not fun. But at the same time, it's early and it's good to have this happen now instead of happening later. And this is my reminder, too, for anybody With baseball, you have to deal with the ups and downs of everything because there are so many ebbs and flows that happen throughout the season. It's so long, and that means there's going to be great offensive stretches where you just won't stop winning, 
maybe you're winning back-to-back series, get a couple sweeps, get a streak going, etc. But in the same way, you're going to have some rough patches where you're going to lose games and be on this losing streak. It's just kind of the natural progression and flow of the baseball season. That's just what happens. And it's unavoidable. Every team will go through it to some extent. Maybe that means you lose five in a row. Maybe you lose like 10 in a row. It looks different for different teams, but everybody experiences it. That's why That's why I really love baseball is kind of through all the highs and lows. It's exciting to be a part of it and to witness. It gets really frustrating and it's difficult, but it's a challenge. It's a long season and they put you through hell. And, you know, usually things shift, things can change. I think it might have been last year, all of a sudden the Brewers kind of started to take control of the Central. It started small by just having like a game and a half, like half a game ahead of the Cubs. And it struck at the right time. And they were able to just start dominating and to take control of the division as a whole. So, of course, there are times where it gets a little bit closer. And, you know, it's difficult when you're in that chase and you're trying to gain or regain control of a division but it's all just part of it. So you got to kind of take it in stride. That's always my best advice and the best thing I can say in terms of just having some hope. But there's another reason why I wanted to talk about this series against the Reds. So I'll I'll first talk about just the insanity that was, um, oh my God, was that yesterday already? Yeah, that was yesterday. Oh my God. Um, where the Brewers nearly had a rally to come back against the Reds in the ninth inning. So I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a recap there because it was truly a ridiculous game. Uh, and you know, it was, I will say it wasn't my favorite, but was it kind of fun to watch? Yeah, of course it has to be. It's very entertaining, but essentially um, the Brewers were down uh, five to 14 um, after the eighth inning was to a close, what was really upsetting was that in the eighth, Hunter Renfro got a home, another home run, his second of the day, and it made the game a little bit closer. It was five to eight, and then oh, wouldn't you, wouldn't you believe it? Uh, the Brewers gave up. Uh, let's see, five runs? No, oh no, no, no! It got worse than that. You know, at first you're like okay, they got a few. Okay, they're doing something. And then all of a sudden, they give up six runs. And the <laughs> the Reds then have a 14-5 to lead. Then all of a sudden, Brewers get into the ninth. And, you know, there's always a little bit of hope. It's always fun to think about it. And, well, wouldn't you believe it, Jace Peterson hits a home run. 6-14 to now. Then, Mike Brousseau gets a home run and it's a two run home run. So eight to 14. Then Rowdy Telez gets a single scoring Yelich, uh, nine to 14. Uh, Luis Urias has a double, hits a double, RBI double scoring Telez. And then Omar Narvaez also got an RBI double and, you know, managed to get the game close at 11 to 14. And, of course, the Brewers weren't able to close it out and weren't able to get those final three runs to 
tie that game or get it there. But holy shit, was it not a fun ride? Like, just even the moment where you go, is this going to happen? And I had tweeted, Brewers Rally? Like, is, are we going to have a Brewers Rally? And nearly predicted that, but something else happened. Uh, something else that my mom is alluding to in the chat. And listen, I don't care if people don't believe me. Because I, I just, you have to understand that this is genuinely what, like, genuinely what happened. And I was freaking out. A lot of people already know about it because I've just been, I haven't been able to stop talking about it. But <clears throat> yesterday during the game, it was a early game. So it started, I believe, at 11.35 a.m. And I'm watching it and we're in the first inning. Christian Yelich hits a double. And I was like, boy, howdy, I'm, I'm feeling, I think Christian Yelich is going to get a cycle today. I think he's going to go for it. And I, being very superstitious and not wanting to jinx things because I am very unlucky, um, I wanted to tweet about it so I could, you know, have some evidence, have some proof. But I then realized I don't want to be the person that all of a sudden gets reprimanded or yelled at by Brewer's Twitter being like, Damn it, <laughs> he had like a terrible game or something like that. So I just said, I'm going to leave it simple. And I said, I'm feeling a cycle today with the bicycle emoji representing the cycle. Um, I tweeted that at 11.43, coincides with when Christian Yelich hit a double. Um, I was going to go through and look up the API data for, uh, <laughs> for that game so I could prove that this was literally exactly after because I'm that type of crazy. Um, I haven't, but again, if anybody doubts me, I will. Um, so I tweeted that. And then all of a sudden, let me just double check on the order of things. So he hit, got a ground rule double. Um, and then in the his next at-bat, he hit a home run. And it was a three-run homer, so beautiful moment. And I think that was the time that I all of a sudden went, oh my god, wait, hold on, is this going to happen? And get to the fifth inning, he hits a single. And of course, this is where everybody goes, cycle watch, man. It's a cycle watch for Christian Yelich. And I am sitting here going, holy shit, did I fucking predict Christian Yelich hitting a cycle today? Am I, like, what is going on? There's no way this is going to happen. Um, previously I did have a, um, same game, same game parlay where I picked Christian Yelich to hit a home run. And of course he did, but the rest of my parlay fell apart. And so I kind of had this feeling beforehand. So his next at bat comes in the seventh and he flew out to center. And of course, at this point I did actually make a bet on him getting a triple there and it didn't go, but I was still confident. I was like, this is still going to happen. It made me kind of sad knowing that that was probably going to be his last at-bat of the game, but I was just like, never say never. You don't know it's going to happen. So come the ninth inning, that's when all of a sudden we have everybody's kind of rolling through this. We <laughs> were kind of rolling through the lineup, and I all of a sudden sense this and I go oh my god Christian Yelich is gonna have another at bat and of course they were like it's gonna happen and would you fucking believe it 
Christian Yelich hit a triple. He got a triple. And the video is fantastic because he hit it in the just right area. Yelich is a really quick guy. He is fast as hell. Um, he only got wheels. Let's just say that. And Rousseau and I'm sure many, many other people were like waving him around being like, come on, man, you got to get it. And of course he did. And this is a moment where I sit there and I go, oh, what the hell? Holy shit. I am freaking out because I am like, first of all, Christian Yelich, that triple got me a hundred bucks. Um, and cause I placed a bet on it. Second of all, I predicted that this would happen. I literally predicted him hitting it for the cycle and I have still not been able to get over it because I just don't get how this happened and I think my only my the only logic the only thing that makes sense to me is that I am just so in tune with Christian Yelich and uh such such a dedicated supporter and fan that I just have this like feeling this intuition that I know what's gonna happen so I was just in awe and just some quick stats about this. So this is Christian Yelich's third cycle and he hasn't hit for the cycle since his uh, MVP 2018 season in actually, or wait, was that? Yeah, that was then um, his 2018 MVP season where he not only hit for the cycle once, but twice within a very short period of time, both times against the Cincinnati Reds. So if you take a look at that and realize that, first of all, let me let me see if I can find some of the stats about it because it was already ridiculous in terms of what he did. Um, because he became the sixth player in Major League history to um, hit a cycle three separate times. Uh, and the even more insane part was, I think this is the first time since they've been recording this stat of recording like uh hitting for the cycle and what that means first time since like 1901 to hit for the cycle three separate times all against the same team um as my mom said in the chat he made history he certainly did so something crazy about that and just that accomplishment of course it is overshadowed by a loss but at the same time it does seem like more people are thinking about that moment than him uh than the fact that the Brewers lost because it's just amazing to see somebody hit for the cycle and regardless of it being against the Reds that's impressive to be able to do that and especially to end with a triple he wanted it and he got it so really amazing this is also where I say for anybody who is doubted if he is back he is back Christian Yelich is back um, I will confidently say it. I've already confidently said it. And listen, I've liked what I've been seeing. And you got to trust me. Out of any player, I care the most about his at-bats. And I watch them and pick them apart because I care about him. And I care about his performance. He's my favorite player. And just seeing how he's been improving at the plate has been amazing and you know he's he's looking good uh I think the cycle is just a a sign of things to come I'm not going to say much more but uh if he ends up hitting another cycle against the Reds uh talk to me then and um, we'll see where the conversation goes but 
I'm liking how it's looking for the Brewers, and I'm liking how it's looking for Christian Yelich, even if they did lose 14-11 to and lost the series against the Reds. But that's going to kind of close up this episode today. Um, once again, I appreciate all of you listening, finishing with uh, 2,100 likes on here. So thank you guys very, very much uh, for the love and support. I always love doing this. I enjoy this new format. Got to do a bit more research than I usually do. Can't have as much off the top of the dome, but you know, it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be able to interact with you guys and just have people here listening. So thank you so much. Um, We'll be back next Thursday and just tune in for some more baseball stories, y'all. Have a good one and hope to see you around on the app.